I'd like to draw your attention this morning to Matthew chapter number three. Then we're going to go to the book of Revelation chapter 22. But our first reading is going to be in Matthew chapter three to all of our visitors. Um, we're just delighted that you're here. You know, sometimes it's good to just leave visitors alone. Just let them, let them get the full Pentecostal experience. Um, because it's not a sales job. You, you can't sell this. You have to receive this. And um, being the effervescent, highly aggressive person that I am, I'm not sure I've lived up to what I just said all that well. But I have learned after 28 years of pastoring and uh, coming here and starting from scratch, that sometimes it's just best to just let, just let God do it. And everybody that believes that said amen. Matthew chapter number three, starting in verse number one, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Skipping down to verse number seven. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers. Now how many people would be going to John the Baptist Church today? And yet Jesus said he was the greatest man born of a woman. <clears throat> o generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits. Everybody said fruits. Meet for repentance. The very first fruit. The very first fruit is the fruit of repentance. Verse number nine, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham. Everybody wants to throw, you know, this is who my grandparents and my mom and dad, and they want to throw it into a genealogy, and they want to throw it into uh, like, a, like it's an inheritance, Okay. Like your spiritual condition is something that cannot be passed in a genealogy, okay? But the prophet did say, the preacher did say, upon you and your children. However, let's continue to read. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Now this is, this is not just religious symbolism. This is a reality. This is a supernatural reality. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth, 
bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquestionable fire. One verse of scripture in the book of Revelations, and then you can be uh, that you can be seated. It's in chapter twenty-two, and verse number eleven. This is at the end. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy. Let him be filthy still. He which is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. I'm trying to, I tried to come up with a catchy title this. Sometimes just from the very outset, if you have the right title, you can engender enough interest that people are going to get on board and go all the way with you. Um, But I just want to talk about this, the process. The process. The process. Would you put your Bible down with us and let's lift our hands and our voices and let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. God, I need something from you today. I didn't just go through the motions to... get out of bed, get dressed, get ready, drive. I I need something from God. I pray for the Holy Ghost. I pray for the Spirit of God to minister in this house. Far beyond intellect. Far beyond religiosity. But I pray for revelation and understanding in the things of God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. One of the things that I've known for a while, and it does pain me, as a spiritual leader and a spiritual practitioner, it has become so apparent in our world that our culture, Western culture, but more specifically the United States, has been led to believe that Christianity is somewhat like an ice cream parlor where you can go into an ice cream shop and you can take one look at me and tell this guy likes ice cream. But you can go in and you you have your choice of flavors. Um... I have, I have a horrible natural bent to cookies and cream. 
I don't want to talk about that too much because we have some other things to talk about. But whatever your flavor is, suffice it to say, we can go into a place and Baskin and Robbins was big in my my day in, in California. There was a place called Baskin Robbins and they had multiplied flavors and they, they, they promoted that they had multiplied fl- flavors and you could, you could get whatever you wanted to, whenever you wanted it. And there can be little question that in the minds of the 21st century American that they can pretty much, for lack of a better term, and forgive me because I'm trying to articulate this um, it's not rehearsed, so. But they have, they have adapted to a culture that promotes that you can pretty much find whatever flavor you want in Christianity. Which is one of the reasons why, and this is a sociological um, marvel, it's a marvel, this is, there's no nation in the world that has been able to do this um, religiously and it's studied sociologically and it's proven that basically there is a form of Christianity. I don't want to get too specific because I don't want to, I don't want to offend anybody, but you can see that it, evol- it evolves. It's an evolving, changing form of Christianity to every generation. Um, and what was once... Um, apropos a generation or two ago is something that would be shunned by our modern um, entertainment um, social media driven culture today. And so you can see that Christianity, and I'm using that term very loosely, very broadly, very widely, is a, is a on, it's constantly morphing to look for an audience. And with that, it is offering people basically anything that they want. Now, I'm going to tell you how important it is that you comprehend, um, at least to a, a certain degree, what I'm trying to say here this morning is that it's not okay with God. Okay, whether you're visiting, visiting with us t- here today or this is this is your church, you you you, and you already know this that. That doctrine is so specific. It is, it is inclusive and it's exclusive. That when it comes to doctrine, you don't have a lot of, of liberty with flavors. Okay? Because, because doctrine is, is God's will revealed to man. And personally and spiritually for me, I want to know what God wants more than I want to know what I want. Now that's put to the test over and over and over again. And people left to themselves will continually to choose the flavors. But see, you can do that in America. You, you, can, you can get the flavor that you want. If you want the flavor that's got a great, Pizzazz youth group, and it's got it's got 
modern Christian contemporary music, you can get that flavor. If you've got people that are more literal and they take the word of God as I believe it should be, and they and it's line upon line and precept upon precept, you can have that. And and everything in between. Ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, I want to know what God wants for me to do so that I can be what God wants me to become. So that The majority of people at first glance agree with that. They agree with that. They agree with that in principle that we should we should be gravitating towards the word of God that is actually from God that is where I'm at in God. Now, the specificity of that previous statement cannot be experienced unless you have the truth. Because if you're, and I'm just, I'm going to use this casually. I'm not talking about anybody here, but I'm just talking about this fictitious individual, John Doe. John Doe goes to a church. It begins to get a little, you know, talking a little bit too much about against sin and particular kinds of sin, and it's gonna it's gonna start um, getting into areas that this particular person, John Doe and his family, they don't they don't they don't want to live that way. It's okay to go to a church and hear that, but they don't actually want to live that way. But look at that, look at that juxtaposed with the truth, because the truth is not only interested in what you're doing here. The, inter- the truth is how you live in your life, how you live in, in your house, what's going on in your home. What- now, now, you may say, I'm okay with all those flavors, and I'm not here, I'm not, I'm not here to argue with anybody. I'm not here, to, to, I'm not, I'm not here to, to do any of that. But what I'm here to say is, if you're an individual that really wants to be ready for the rapture, you're going to investigate what the truth is. You're going to live by the truth. You're going to live according to the Word of God. And you're going to be a part of the process of what God is doing. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. And by the way, that's available to everybody. That's not just the Pentecostals. That's not just right here in Liberty Lake. That's available to the whole world. So what's available and what's popular is not synonymous. John the Baptist the greatest man born of a woman, introduces the absolute greatest event known to humanity is the introduction of Jesus Christ. As I read and study a little bit about John the Baptist, I really, I often wonder what kind of a church John the Baptist would have if John the Baptist was alive in the 21st century. He was against religion. He preached against adultery because that's exactly why they took his head off. He preached that the one that's coming after him is greater than he was. 
and he was just the messenger. He preached that you have to repent. He preached you have to be baptized. I wonder how popular, just, just, I'm not going to trick you today. A lot of people think, man, this guy's going to get me way out here if I buy into this, and he's going to go whack and let me have it. There is no whack today or a whop. We're just talking about the truth. What kind of church would the greatest man born of a woman have in the 21st century in an ice cream parlor religious environment? What kind of church would you, would you go to John Baptist Church? Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance? <laughs> I'm challenging. You might, be, you, you, you might be sitting here listening to me and thinking, I just, I'm not ready to go there. I just, I'm just here, preacher. Don't, 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 don't claim too much. I'm just here. I, and I appreciate you being here, but the reality of it is, why would you be so disingenuous to yourself and to God and to everybody else to go through the motions of just showing up and then ultimately say, well, I'm not really a part of what's going on around here. God's saying, well, where are you a part of? What, what ice cream do you like? What flavor is your flavor? Right, right. Oh, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. These are, are sociological statistics of modern religiosity and denominationalism. Most people are going to do exactly what they have to do from the neck up. That means they're okay with intellectually understanding something and believing something. But most people don't really want to do anything which would explain why internet pornography is rampant in the Christian world. I'm not talking in a foreign language, but I did come to preach today. Is that all right? I mean, I mean, this is not all going to be a popsicle stick. There's going to be some popsicle on the end of that stick. Is that the, one of the leading, the leading groups in America today that is caught up with pornography is in the church? And I'm using that word church very broadly very loosely and very largely. But I want to tell you that when you really get the truth of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you, at some point Jesus is going to say, either I'm staying and that's going, or that's staying and I'm taking a walk. That's right. right. And so here at Cornerstone, we want more God, more spirit, I'm not putting down anybody else. But as for me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord. And if you have a porn problem today, we are not here to make fun of you. We are not here to shame you. We are not here to, to do anything but to offer to you that there is hope, there is deliverance, there is strength, there is power. If not now, when? If not here, where? If not you, who? Let's clap our hands and give Jesus the praise. And so 
God only has one flavor. Manna only had one flavor. Every other flavor that is promoted, the Apostle Paul said, let them be accursed. Truth only has one flavor. About four weeks ago, the Holy Ghost brought this scripture to me. I did not really comprehend or understand exactly what God was doing. This happens a lot to me as as a spiritual practitioner that the Holy Ghost will give me a scripture and then allow it to, to be fostered and to develop and to grow and begin to have form and shape and then it's time to talk about it. And today, when our... Um, when our missionary was unable to get to Spokane, I felt like the Holy Ghost said, today's the day. See, this process is a either a process of sanctification. I didn't want to give the whole title because you'll understand why here in a minute, but it's either a process of becoming and developing and producing an ongoing, tangible, noticeable, discernible, provable evidence of Christ in us. Or it's a process of elimination. Now see, the advocates of a particular ice cream flavor, they don't like that. They would rather have it more broad because they think it's too stern and too rigid. But if I, if I understand the word of God, we are to work out our salvation with what? Say that a little louder. Why? Why are we to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Very easy, very simplistic. Because you could miss it. You, 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 you could start out in the spirit and end up in, in, a, different, in a different location, in a different, in a different frame of mind. You could start out with John the Baptist and you could end up as a viper. You, you could start out as a sheep and end up as a wolf. You can start out as a saint. Now, I don't have anybody in mind. Don't get nervous. But you and I, we, we, there's only one flavor in the truth. We've already proven that. Unless you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, which is the truth of God revealed unto men. It was preached in Acts 2. It was preached in Acts 8. It was preached in Acts 10. It was preached in Acts 19 and, and, and a host of other scriptures. There is no other way. It's not name it and claim it. It's not, it's not, it's not name it and blab it and grab it and all that kind of stuff. It's getting the power of Jesus Christ in you and letting Jesus lay the ax to the root of the tree of everything that's not of him. God has to be working in your life, eliminating. So John, a very unconventional through the years, I've kind of, I've sat where you, you are for 
many, many moons as a new convert and heard people describe John the Baptist and kind of smirked. Um, not because I, I didn't believe it, but because I just tried to wrap my brain around it. Modestly but scantily dressed, a diet of grasshoppers, and a message that cut through the religious flavors of the day. Now, repentance is the most common message in the Word of God. It was preached, repent was preached by prophets. Repent was preached by John the Baptist. Repent was preached by Jesus Christ. Repent was preached by the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. It is the most enduring human requirement in the Word of God. So John is not, hey, just leave your Bible at home. I don't want to argue with anybody. I don't, want to, I don't need a bunch of books by doctor, blah, 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 and, and prophet, apostle, blah, 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 blah. Just bring the Bible. And when we just bring the Bible, we're going to see this was God's flavor. It was repent. Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. God's not interested in our talents. Well, I can throw a ball real good. God's not interested in that. And I'm real intelligent. I've got a good job. God's not intelligent, uh, interested in that. What God's interested is, can you find a place of repentance when you find that this is now available to you? This is now a door to you. This is now an entrance for you. This is now an avenue. This is now God reaching for you. This is now God fulfilling prophecy to humanity. He's not interested in your flowing robes. He's not interested of all your genealogy of your mom and your dad and your grandparents and they did this and they did that. He wants to know, will you repent? Ladies and gentlemen, when God wants me to repent, I'm ready to repent. I don't need three months. I don't need three Sundays. I don't need a whole week. You just give me an altar. You just give me a prayer room. You just give me a message. I'm ready to repent. And we should live in a life that is ready to repent at all times. The Apostle Paul lived in that very, very rare place when he said, if not for the grace of God, there go I. You know what that saying is? I'm constantly, constantly, constantly aware that if God was to move his grace, I'd be out of here. The anointing, the revelations, the divine favor, the call, the posture, the position, everything would be gone. So John the Baptist comes with one flavor, repent. There were some people, actually there were multitudes that got baptized in one of the dirtiest rivers in the Middle East. People have these romanticized, imaginative pictures of places and persons and things in the Word of God. I went to the River Jordan several years ago, and it was so, you, if you stuck your hand six inches under the surface, you would never see your hand. It is full of silt and mud 
It is not a clear, crystal clear river, but there were multitudes that answered the preaching of John the Baptist and were baptized in the one that was coming after him, and that is, of course, Christ Jesus. John said, and now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. You never lay an axe to the root of a tree unless you fully intend to plant something else. Well, man, let's just get fire up. Man, I just, there's something about guys that know how to use a chainsaw. Um, we're not talking about Van Gogh or Rembrandt, but every once in a while you see a guy that can produce a work of art with a chainsaw. And all the lumberjacks said amen. <laughs> I'll move along quickly. But a chainsaw is never going to get the job done because a chainsaw, you're going to have a stump there. Okay? And that stump... When you talk about the kingdom of God, we are not talking about your backyard. Okay, we're not talking about we're not talking about an, uh, some just vacant lot. We're not just talking about your backyard. We're not talking about your front yard. We are talking about the kingdom of God. And once you get involved with the processes of the kingdom, the, the, the soil of the church of the living God, this soil in this environment called Cornerstone, it is far too valuable to God to be satisfied with a bunch of stumps. Well, pastor, I, I got rid of my cigarettes and I got rid of this and I got rid of looking at my girly magazines and I got rid of this and I got rid of telling lies and I got rid of conniving and cheating and stealing and, and doing all these things. And, and Jesus said, good, good. Well, then you should have some fruits. Because in God's economy, a chainsaw is not good enough. In God's economy, no. I'm going to go below the surface. I'm going to go into your childhood. I'm going to go in to where soul and to divide soul and spirit. And I'm going to tear that thing out because I'm going to put patience there. I'm going to put love there. I'm going to put faith there. I'm going to put purity there. I'm going to put self-control there. If... You're in tandem with the process of God. But before there's any acts, before there's any roots, now the reason why I know about this is my wife said in our, not the house I'm living in now, but the previous house, she said, honey, I think we should plant some more grass right here. I said, there's a tree there. Before it was over, I think my wife and I and some other brethren working together, I think we removed eight stumps, eight root balls. We cut it off, and then we started digging, and we kept digging, and we kept digging until there was this huge, gnarly networking of roots, 
And then I got the axe and I started severing off all those little tributaries and all those little networking of veins and roots that went this way and went that way and then this way and we pulled those out and then we put fresh soil on it and then we could plant either bushes or shrubs or flowers or grass and and we can, and that's exactly how God does it. God's not just interested in you coming here with, well, I don't cuss anymore and I, and I don't tell lies anymore, at least nobody knows about it. And, and I'm not doing this anymore. And I, God says, good, that's really good. But if you'll notice the man in Matthew chapter number 12 that was cleaned and garnished and swept, his problem was he didn't have anything in the container. He didn't have anything at the root level. He didn't have anything on the inside. He had gone through all of the religious revision. He had quit drinking, quit cussing. He had quit smoking. But he didn't have the power of God to get down on the inside of him and heal him from the abuse of a bad childhood and heal him from the dysfunction of a bad upbringing. The more surface it is, the bigger the chance for it to come back because there is a prophecy that talks about the stump of a tree through the scent of water. You might have cut your stump off. Jesus said, it ain't good enough. Not in my process. My process is you gotta let me just keep chopping and chopping and chopping till I get every single thing that's connected to that out because in its place, I want to put an anointing. I want to put a calling. I want to put, I want to put power there. Well, you never had power before. I want to, come on, somebody. This is how God works. This is all the flavor of the truth. There's only one flavor. There's only one process. But there is a multiplied amount of fruits and gifts and power that God will give to you. Let's lift our hands and just talk to Jesus right now. Well, I'm not sure I want that flavor because it's going to cost me something. Truth only has one flavor. You can go to 50, 60 different denominational churches in any given city. Some people don't even know what their doctrine is. They're not after the doctrine. They're after a program. They want to feel good. They all believe they're under grace. And ladies and gentlemen, grace is not a Band-Aid so that you can continue to just limp through life. Grace is an opportunity to get it right again. Grace is an opportunity to tear the stump out and finally put a fruit tree there. Grace is an opportunity to pick yourself back up and say, God, I'm going to be an overcomer if it kills me. I might have fallen a thousand times. Rejoice not over me, my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arrive. If you're in the process, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. Then he introduces, in verse number 11, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, 
but he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I'm not even worthy to carry. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So the first process is the process of repentance. The second process after the Holy Ghost is in a person whose fan is in Jesus' hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff. That's after we've used the ax. Now there's a different process. This process that's being described here is a very famous process. It's illustrated in several different places throughout the word of God. And it always takes place at the exact same place. It takes place at a threshing floor. A threshing floor is an elevated place near the places of harvest. It's elevated, and it's elevated for a reason. It's elevated so that the breeze, the warm winds and breeze, as the wheat and the chaff is winnowed at the threshing floor, that the winds and the warm air and the, and, and the currents that are moving in this elevated place can remove the wheat from the chaff. And now that, now that people are, are baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, now Jesus is going to use his fan. That word is not a fan like you and I think. In the original, it literally is talking about a fork. Not a fork that you would use at a table, although it's, it resembles it somewhat, but it is a fork that is used for what they call winnowing. Winnowing is when you take the, the farmer or, or one of the workers would, would take that fork and he would plunge it in to the harvest and he would throw it up in the air and the wheat would fall back down on the threshing floor. But the chaff, the husk, the shell, the covering, they're both existing together. They're both together. It's, it's a little bit like the wheat and the tares in which one is real and the other one is artificial. One is a, one is, is, is it's, it's an impersonation. It is a um, imposter. But the chaff, with the same wind, is blown away from the threshing floor. 
and the only thing that remains after the process of winnowing. This is what he's talking about that Jesus is doing. What is Jesus doing? God spoke this to me about a month ago. I didn't know what this scripture meant, but what's been going on in the last month? We, we've all been praying. We've all been thinking, my God, I need to dig in. I feel something. Something's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. This could happen to a person. This could happen to a church. This could happen to a pew. Hallelujah. When God starts winnowing, I'm going to make sure I'm here next Sunday. I'm going to make sure I'm in the prayer room. I'm going to make sure I fall right back to where I'm supposed to be. I'm not going to be carried away. I'm not going to be a castaway. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. There are not a multitude of flavors. You can't say, well, I'm going to go over here and get away from this. Once you go down in the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're in the North Pole, South Pole, any one of the five continents, you cannot escape the process or else you'll be eliminated. You can run, hide, you can go to where people don't know you, you can go and act like everything's fine, but you and God know. Let's lift our hands and let's pray right now. God, I want to be what you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. I know this is a little different, but I'm here in the Holy Ghost. I did not come from a seminary. I didn't come from the back room with a bunch of degrees on the wall. I came from a place of prayer. I came from a place of understanding. I bring the word of God. What happens is, in John chapter 15, it is the quintessential, it is the seminal description of how this operates in an individual's life, where Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Go to the next verse, please. Just take a little walk through here. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Elimination. Everybody said elimination. Okay? Look at the next portion. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purged. Everybody said purge. That word purge, that process of purging is almost identical to the fan in his hand. It is almost identical of winnowing. It is almost identical of eliminating. What happens is you get the Holy Ghost. Everything's great. And then God bumps up, to some, bumps up against some characteristic in your life, some attitude in your life, some prevailing situation in your life. And then God starts working on that so that you become aware of the fact that, you know what, I got to get this out because God wants that room. God wants that. He paid for it. He purchased me. It's his. So now you have a choice. Am I going to let God have his way in my life or am I going to shop for another flavor? God's not good enough with, well, he has a position in the church. Wow. Wow. Creator, nice person, easy going. None of that has anything to do with spiritual fruits or spiritual gifts. If it's your natural ability, it's not God. It's only God when you had a bad quality, but you gave it up to God and now you've got a good quality. It's only God when you didn't want to submit, but you're following the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, and now you're submitting to them that have the rule over you. Now it's a fruit of God. 
Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. I didn't come here to get brutal, but I'm telling you, I'm dealing with spirits that are hanging on the end of dead branches that are going to try to take people out. And I'm here to say, oh, no, you're not. God's got an investment. God's doing a work. God's got a plan. You got stuff you're doing in secret? Just already. I'm already telling you. As a spiritual practitioner, whether I'm your pastor or not, I already, I already have. See, what a lot of people don't understand that have accepted the ice cream parlor of Pentecost is a true God-sent man of God has way more insight and understanding than you will ever have because of his calling. Maybe not of his election, but of his calling. Because without that, without that supernatural enablement given of God, there's no human being that could do this. See, a lot of people don't understand that. They just want to think, well, God paints with a broad brush. No, 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 no. It takes a vision. It takes a calling. It takes sacrifice. It takes saying no to the world and yes to the kingdom. It's all about digging in with Jesus in all the lonely, dark days. Number two, there's some blessings that people will never taste of. Because their only direction of blessing is vertical. But in Acts chapter 2, verse number 42, it became horizontal. When Jesus was nailed on the vertical, and he spread his hands on the horizontal, the body will only experience supernatural healings and supernat- certain supernatural deliverances only after the church has come together in unity. But there's some people that go through their whole life saying, I don't really need that because I can still feel God. That is not God approving of where you are. That's God continuing to lead you back to what our preferences don't want and what we don't think is da-da-da. No, in the word of God, the apostolic church has the vertical. That's the Holy Ghost poured out on all flesh. And now it has the horizontal that we submit one to another in the name of Jesus. And I need you and you need me and we all need God and we all need the fivefold ministry and we all need the blessing, healing, regeneration, recuperation, restoration. Somebody lift your hands and praise God. David put the ark of God on a new cart. As soon as it got to the threshing floor, there's some things God just tolerates. He doesn't like it. But when it gets to the threshing floor, which is a place of separation, God says, I'm moving right now. You know the story. Uzzah put his hand on the ark to steady it because of the uneven ground of a cobblestone threshing floor. And when he touched the ark of God, God smote him. David was greatly displeased with God. But see, David's problem as a leader was, although David wanted the ark back, David did not go back and read what it said about moving the ark. 
So it's not enough to have a few scriptures and said, see, I'm okay. No, 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 no. You got to know how to carry that thing. You got to know how to carry the word of God. You got to know how to carry a blessing. You got to know how to carry an anointing. You got to know how to carry the glory. You got to know how to carry the mail. You got to know how to carry a word from the almighty God. Sometimes in a church's history, isn't it amazing that every one of these illustrations are agricultural? They all deal with agriculture. Because the nation of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they had no knowledge whatsoever of agriculture. They built cities, not farms. They built the cities of Ramses, not plantations. They were slaves. They were laborers. But God brought them out, brought them across Jordan and said, ding, now you're farmers. All right, you guys. Let's, let's get on over here and get this done. I hope it works. God said, as long as you stay right with me, as long as you keep me Lord, you're going to have rain. You're going to have sunshine. You won't have pestilence. You won't have bugs. You won't have diseases. And you're going to have fruits and crops because trees, agricultural, botany, is the number one ruling illustration of the entirety of the word of God. Agriculture was the first culture. And we are the trees of the Lord. And there are so many illustrations in the Bible that have to do with the value of the right soil, and the value of producing fruit, and the value of the processes of God, and the value of, of, of being connected to Jesus. Let's go back to that John chapter 15, please. I believe we were going to verse number six. It should be on there. If any man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Wither. That's an interesting word. doesn't appear a lot in Scripture. What does that mean? It's talking about a branch that has no life in it. It's devoid of a green leaf. It's devoid of any fruitage. It's, 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 it's devoid of, of any sign of life. We're not talking about a tree in winter. Ladies and gentlemen, a tree is still alive in winter. But isn't it interesting that when you talk about agriculture, you have to talk about seasons, and there are seasons in an individual's life, and there are seasons in the history of a church. The truth of something that is withered is it has gone through seasons and there's no life in it. You can't judge in the winter. 
You can't judge when someone's going through a trial. You can't judge. People are just hunkering down. People are just doing their best. That's between them and God, and, but they're staying faithful. They don't deviate from the path. It's just winter time. The Apostle Paul understood winter time. He talked about winter time. Bring my coat before winter. He understood about the dynamics of seasons, and saints will go through seasons, and it's not always going to be running the aisles, and it's not always going to be high-fiving Jesus. It's not always going to be lifting your voice like a trumpet. There's going to be sometimes I'm just going to the prayer room. I'm going to make it to my pew, and I'm going to go home, and I'm just going to shed tears and talk to Jesus. I understand all that, but when when your summer comes along, when your spring comes along, there's supposed to be a little bud on the end of that branch. There's supposed to be the promise of God in that branch. There's supposed to be the promise of blessing in your trial. There's supposed oh, is anybody getting this today? I'm doing my best to get this out there. I don't care if you're 85 years old. Everybody's being processed. You can't, you can't relax in the royal robes. Well, this is what I did 40 years ago. And I'm not putting that down. That's wonderful. That's awesome. But you just have to understand to read your season. And then Sunday after Sunday, no breakthrough. Week after week, month after month, year after year. After about four or five years, farmer with the big overalls said, hey, you're working for me around here. How long has that tree been sitting there? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you're the one that put it here. You transplanted it here. Oh. Well, I'm demanding that it produce fruit or I want you to pull it up because this ground is way too valuable. This ground where there's truth, this ground where there's tears, this ground where there's reality, this ground where my glory is, my power, my prophecy, my promises. Oh, we'll just go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. You'll be looking for your flavor. But when you're locked into what God's doing, there is no choice. There is no choice. Can, can I get an amen out there? there no, the, the farmer came out there with his, with his bibs and his overalls, and he said, I, I've been watching this tree. It's gone through a bunch of seasons now. And it's not repented. It hasn't brought forth one fruit of repentance. Why are you allowing it to take up space? And the pastor says, oh, God, let me try. And so he begins to dung it. That means fertilize. This is all agriculture. Jesus is a master farmer. He is a master botanist. He says, let the preaching get a little louder. There's some people, oh, it's too loud. You've already, they already check out. Just give me a chance, I'll slow down. You gotta understand, ladies and gentlemen, I wasn't born in a Bible college. God sent me off of a concert stage to an apostolic church. I still got some of the fury in there, but it's harnessed for the kingdom. I still got some volume in there, but it's harnessed for the gospel. I still got some excitement in there. <laughs> Don't be too hard on me. 
I know we all have our flavors. My wife has been working on me for over 30 years. Honey, why do you have to preach that so loud? I'll give you my secret. I am so excited to be a part of this. I'm overwhelmed with this. I, I can't, I, I still have to pinch myself and believe that he still loves me the way he does and wants to use me the way he does and wants to bless me the way he does. And my only expression of that is like a bomb going off. It's like a, it's like a spastic bomb of gratefulness and joy in the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands and give God the praise if you still got the joy of the Lord. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody give him praise. Some, you, la, 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 ba, yanda, ya, la, la, ba, ba, Come on, you might be in your winter season, but it doesn't mean God's left you. There's another season coming. But he says, let me fertilize it. Let me do what I know to do. So the preacher, he prays, he starts digging. He starts digging around the what? Thank you. Getting involved in people's past. Well, I don't want nobody to know what my past is. Well, I don't know, I don't know if anybody can help you. I mean, I'm not going to say you got to tell everybody. You shouldn't. But what happens is, is God comes to the place of where I, I, gotta, I gotta give up part of me to get some of him. I'm gonna have to give up some of this to get more fruit. I'm gonna have to give up this to get more anointing. I'm gonna have to give up this to get more truth. See, that's why people that are adopted to flavors, they don't get this. They don't understand this process. This is a process of producing eternal characteristics of Jesus of Nazareth. Where he takes an old alcoholic and through this season and that season and this season and that season and spending five months in the hospital and five months over here and losing this and this gone and this gone. Says, I refuse to detach. I refuse to go back. Where else are we going to go? Thou speakest the words of eternal life. And so when they see him, they can't even believe what they're seeing. Is that, is that, is that Brother Rick from the Rock Church? Dude, you held the world speed record for running around that old building in about eight seconds, grabbing the pole and jumping around that pole. No, you didn't understand. I just let God keep digging. I just let God put that ax down there. I just let God get rid of whatever God wanted to get rid of, and I got anointing in its place. I got love in its place. I got power in its place. I got a calling in its place. I got another character in its place. And so will you. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The process. Everybody's in the process. But when a person says, I won't change, then the farmer, see, first it's just a branch. It's just a little deal in your life. Maybe you got a habit. 
Maybe you got something in secret that's horrible, it's immoral. It's keeping God from blessing you. God says, I want that out. Not because I'm trying to deprive you from pleasure, but I've got to give you a blessing instead of instantaneous gratification. And your unwillingness to let go of that gratification, you're holding back the unction of actually what you want in reality that will, that will push you and propel you into a ministry far beyond this building. It's the process. Nobody, nobody can remain static in the process. But nobody can judge anybody else's season either. When somebody doesn't want to give up their sin, they, like a tear, they just stand straight, ramrod straight. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to interact. I'm here. And being here is just like being somewhere else, so it don't really matter to me. And the Father says, get it out of here. This soil's way too valuable. Champion Bible quizzers, marriages that are healed and victorious and moving forward and older people going into their twilight years with unction and direction and a hope of, of eternity. And when you see things being removed, don't blame the church. I'm going to tell you what. I used to run, brother, uh, sergeant, if I thought anybody was mad at me when I first got saved, I would not leave that church. And some of it was just my conscience. I'd never had, I'd never had a healed conscience before. My conscience was filthy and dirty and, and seared when I came to God. But after I got baptized in Jesus' name, uh, uh, why are you looking at me? Is everything okay? Am I okay? Am I, do I have a booger on the end of my nose? Oh, praise God. Okay, I love you too. I'd go to everybody in that church. Am I okay? That's how, that's how a sensitive conscience is. Am I okay? Did I do something? Tell me you love me. Your pastor's been through some real heavy-duty construction projects with God. God ain't done yet. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. But once you get a little blessing and get a little independence and get a little knowledge and get a little theology, all of a sudden it's, I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't want this. I don't want that. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. I want to go as high as God sees me to be. I want to go as deep as God sees me to be. I want to have a victory and glory and power and anointing. Let's stand to our feet and lift our hands and give God the praise. Somebody lift your voice. All over this building, let's lift our voice. Give him the praise. Come on, somebody. God hasn't left you. God's waiting for you to give something up. God's patient. God's kind. God's gentle. God's a gentleman. But He says, I can't coexist with that. Either that goes or I'm going. I've often wondered about that scripture in the book of Revelations, and I'm 
For all intended purposes, I'm done. I've looked at that scripture many times. Revelations 22. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is unjust. Right before this, it talks about all liars. And I want to tell you, there's more about lying than just telling a lie. There's making a lie, living a lie, and telling a lie. You can tell a lie without even opening your lips. You can just live and search a word to make people think one way when something else is the truth. But I looked at that scripture for many, many years, and I thought, what? how? Here we are at the end of the book of Revelation. And this is what I come up with. God waited to the very end, knowing the expanse of eternity. He waited to the very end to give that brother a chance. Give that sister a chance. Give that situation a chance before he finally says, it's now a permanent position. They wouldn't let me work on it. It's now become a fixed characteristic for eternity. Let's lift our hands. I'm asking the musicians to come, or at least one. Four weeks ago, God brought this scripture to me. It's either going to be an axe or it's going to be the winnowing. Satan wants you. He's going to winnow you. I'm warning you, Peter. It's coming. You're not going to know what, what hits you, but if you'll stay on board, if you'll keep the faith, and I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, Peter, because make no mistake about it, Satan didn't tempt him with that little maid as he was warming himself by the fire. That was not the temptation of Satan. The temptation of Satan is after Peter recognized, I've denied him, I've lied. From that point forward, Peter stayed away from farms and barnyards and roosters. Every time that rooster crowed, he'd win. But there was something on the inside of him that said, yeah, you denied me. But I used you on Pentecost because you refused to walk away from me. You refused to bail out. You refused to throw in the towel. Satan moved in with shame, condemnation. This altar's open. I've been sent here to talk to you about the process. I'm not interested in 57 flavors. I'm not interested in a slick contemporary Christian rock route. I'm not interested in steeples. I'm not interested in big programs and degrees and people that can't even find Acts 238. So spiritual they can't even find salvation in the Bible. 
But I'll tell you what I am looking for here today, and I believe you're looking for that too. I'm looking for meaning. It's not why did you let this happen, God. It's what does this mean? Is there purpose in this? Is there meaning in this? Is there a reason for this? Come on. Everybody that's here, we're inviting you to the front here. Just spend a few moments here in prayer. Come on. You're welcome to come. Nobody's going to make you do anything. Come on. Let's just lift our hands wherever you're at. Let's just lift our hands and say, God, I need to wrap my head around this because this is big. This is this. But ladies and gentlemen, it was John that introduced it, that there's a process coming that's gonna lay the axe at every root. Everything that everything that God can't use in my life, there's an axe for it. And I want to be saved. I want to please him. I want to know him. I want to, I want to, I want to. Come on, let's pray. It's not